This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, as usual, uh, coming at you guys here Sunday night. It's actually Monday morning. I'm going to record this around 1 o'clock Eastern time, and I'm just going to um, just going to talk through it. We're going to talk through what happened. We're going to talk through my thought process with where they're at uh, and, and, try to, and try to just figure out where they go from here. Uh, the Browns obviously lose to the Titans 43-13 um, at home. Home opener streak of, of losses, or I should say non-wins as they tied the Titans last year, um, remains intact. And, um, you know, the big word I would pick here is disappointed. I was disappointed for the coaching staff, the players, the work they've put in, everything that uh, everything that this group has, has tried to accomplish early in the season, the fans that were there and doing their part as um, – as only a football, uh, you know, situation in Cleveland can can accomplish. It's it was a madhouse. It was a madhouse before. Based on everything I saw, it was a madhouse. Um, in the stadium, they were loud, and uh, they just didn't have a reason to get loud uh, enough. The, the opening drive was the fantastic. Let's just dive in. We'll just we'll just talk our way through it. The Browns go eight plays, seventy three yards on the opening drive. Four minutes fifty seconds, and it's six nothing. And I thought they did a really nice job. Um, you know, going going unexpected, throwing the football quite a few times, and then um, you know, mixing in a couple little sprinkled run plays. Nick Chubb had a ten yard run, and an outside zone play that looked really nice uh, into the boundary. But other than that, you know, it's uh, Mayfield's first pass had a chance to be intercepted. Got a little pressure from the left side, and then uh, as he's working out to the right, he's got a, he's got a little tendency in this game. He had a little tendency of fading away. And um, on this one, he kind of faded, trying to drop a, you know, a little settle route in the zone coverage to Higgins. But other than that, it was it was efficient. You know, throws of, you know, throw of 16 yards to Odell, 10 yards to Landry, and uh, 11 yards to, to Higgins, and then the big ball down the on the, on the hash cover two beater, ran a little exchange route. So it was a 35-yard pass play there on second and 23. You know, coming off that 15-yard penalty, the Greg Robinson—they called it a, a legal blindside block. I'm not—you know—I posted a video on my Twitter feed of that block against the screenplay that went for 75 yards the other way, and uh, I'm not—you know—I'm not sure how you enforce that. I don't feel like Greg Robinson's blindsiding him. He's peeling back down the line, so you really—maybe you just can't run the, the what people call the jailbreak screen anymore. You know, it certainly seems like. 
to run that play, you're going to have to run laterally down the line and almost buckle back, and, and maybe you can't. I guess, I guess maybe you can't run that. I don't know. looked like a much more clean play than the block that the block that sprung Derrick Henry's screen, but what do I know? I'm just a guy behind the keyboard. Um, but, yeah, good opening drive, man. 6 nothing. Unfortunately, Austin Seibert misses the PAT, and uh, it's 6 nothing. He pushed it right. Unfortunate. Titans come back out. He really wanted the Browns to sort of anchor down and um, you know get him to go three and out. But if you if you look at what I wrote on the OBR, if you're not subscribing there, I really urge you to because that's where I'm going to put. If you follow this podcast, you love my work, you know all of that stuff. Um, that's where I'm going to that's where I'm going to put all of my work. I, I, I urge you to follow the OBR, subscribe to the OBR. We've got a bunch of good people there and uh, doing a wide variety of things. But that's where my film room stuff's going to be, and at least what I talk about on here. So I broke down five plays of the game that kind of swung it in one direction or the other, and one of them was this 47-yard pass to A.J. Brown. The rookie from Ole Miss had a really big impact. Beats Denzel Ward inside um, off a play-action pass. Actually, the Titans were in 13 personnel. They had three tight ends bunched to the left and uh, and motioned one of them uh, across and uh, kept two tight ends in and max protected with eight guys in total, if you include the back. Really only ran two guys a... A deep settle route by Delaney Walker, and then that you know post route from AJ AJ Brown that beats Denzel Ward inside, and Demarius Randall's turned every which direction. Doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know what he saw. I'd love to ask him that question. Why he turned back outside toward the field and then left the middle of the field wide open. I don't know if Ward was expecting inside help, but nonetheless, it was a big play. And um, yeah, 47 yards. The ball traveled. 32 yards in the air, and then A.J. Brown made a nice play after the catch. But the Browns were able to buckle down, get lucky. I thought there was a screen pass there on third uh, third and nine that, that Deion Lewis just dropped that had a nice chance to go somewhere. But nonetheless, 40, no, 37-yard field goal from Kyra Santos, who looks like, why is that guy on the street? You know, that guy, Santos, kicked his butt off all game. And pretty amazing that he was... Um, you know, on the street a week ago, Ryan Suckup goes to the IR. Nonetheless, Browns get it back, uh, continue to run a ton of 11 personnel. If you're not sure what 11 personnel is, that is um, one back, one tight end. The teams dictate personnel by uh, how many backs and tight ends, then you fill out for what the wide receiver is. It's always equal five. So if it's empty, it's five wide receivers. If it's 10 personnel, that means one tight end, four wide receivers. If it's 11 personnel, one tight end, one back, three wide receivers. If it's 21 personnel, two backs, you know, one tight end, and, uh, you know, two receivers. It's always equals five. Uh, Browns were in about 90% 11 personnel, which is much higher than they were last year. But uh, nonetheless, the Browns go, uh, they get a penalty, uh, defensive holding, but after that they lose three yards of an incomplete pass in Joku with the first of his drops, and then a, uh, a sack, Chris Hubbard, kind of a foreshadowing for what his day was going to look like. All of a sudden, uh, you know, gives up a sack there, and it's uh, a punt. They got a punt back to the 50-yard line. Tennessee gets it around the 50, and um, they're eventually forced to punt too. Goes back to Cleveland, kind of a back-and-forth early part of this game, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't change in score until the second quarter. Right, stays 6-3 for a while, back and forth. The Browns through the end of the first quarter. Have to uh, they get one big chunk play there to Najoku on a, on a, on an out route, a three man side, uh, ten yard out that he turns into about eighteen yards. Other than that, more penalties adding up. 
Um, but Tennessee didn't do anything either. So that ends the first quarter, 6-3 still. 6-3 still Cleveland. Uh, the Browns are forced to punt uh, on their first of these third and ones. So in the second quarter, the Browns had two second and ones. And um, they started this quarter, and I'm going to put this in the quarterback grade card that I'll have out tomorrow. They started this second quarter um, um, with with a uh, third a third and one. So they, they went, uh, picked up a good amount of yards, and then uh, couldn't complete on a short second and one, third and one. All of a sudden, it's... No run plays. They just they just bottle themselves up, and you can't you can't do that. You know this is a little bit of late night stream of conscience thinking, but you can't in the NFL you can't get to second and one on two series, and then pass and complete pass and complete punt. You can't do that. You have to find a way to keep chains moving, get first downs. The Browns were you know unable to accomplish those things. Two situations where they could have had first downs to keep drives moving that you know you never know could could result in scores, but nonetheless. Um, you know the Browns. The Browns give up uh, those two possessions. The tough drive came for Tennessee there in the second quarter, where they go. They go 11 plays, 87 yards, and the Browns have. We can tally them. It's it's pretty egregious. They have one roughing the passer from, um, you know, sorry, unnecessary roughness. That's when Miles Garrett throws a punch, and we'll, we'll discuss that. I mean, that's this just genuinely terrible. Decision making, like when guys are throwing punches, and then Greg Robinson gets kicked out here in the second quarter. When guys are throwing punches, and I know you're reacting, you're reacting to somebody else do doing something to you, holding you later, being physical past the whistle, whatever. You cannot blatantly in open space throw a punch, or in Greg Robinson's case, he's mad because he gets knocked over. You can't kick somebody. Those are just selfish plays that don't have the team in mind don't have my teammates there's a diff- you don't have to be it doesn't make you tough to throw a punch or kick somebody you know buckling the chin strap a little bit tighter and making a play the next play against that guy that's tougher that's team driven stuff it's like those are just they're just silly plays and it doesn't make any sense why those guys you know, I just I, I don't know I don't the, I know Miles Garrett's smarter maybe Greg Robinson isn't smarter than that I don't I don't know but Two bonus plays, and they're lucky Miles Garrett wasn't thrown out. But that's the first penalty of that drive, the unnecessary roughness. Uh, Demarius Randall's holding call there on third and ten. Tough. He was he was probably there a little bit early. Sheldon Richardson gets a roughing the passer call on second and eight, and then neutral zone infraction again on Sheldon Richardson, who I I haven't broken down the defensive tape closely, but he was not very good. Did not did did. Did not perform the way I would hope he would, given Tennessee's issues with injuries along their, you know, their offensive line. And and that third and four was a um, where the, the 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 neutral zone infraction happened. It gives Tennessee a first down. Two plays later, it's a touchdown. And you don't want to be behind Tennessee when they're, you know, a team like that who likes to milk the clock, use heavy personnel sets, and has a stout defense. You don't want to fall behind. Period. And uh, they fall behind 10-6, and it's it's a rough go from there. So uh, we'll keep we'll keep breaking this down. But before that, I want to talk to you guys about Indochino Custom Menswear. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. There's one problem: guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. I know I'm guilty of this. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurement. 
Okay, they're unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married, they could have a wedding coming up. Who knows? Kind of running the end of wedding season. But if you're going to a wedding or you're getting married, they have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America. They have take your measurements there. They'll do it personally, quickly. Measure, or you can even measure at home. You know, you can measure at home and put in your information when you're shopping online at Indochino.com. So this week. Browns Film Breakdown listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369, which is pretty cheap. If you've shopped for suits, they're ridiculously overpriced, so this is a great deal. All you got to do is enter Blue Wire at checkout, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at checkout, plus shipping's free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Blue Wire for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal. For premium made-to-measure suits, get to Indochino, go get a custom suit, become a classier individual. We all could we all could be better off for that. Once you go custom, you don't go back. That's Indochino. Go there, guys. So let's continue forward. It is, at this point, 10-6. Uh, we're going to keep yucking this thing up. This is where the Browns have two straight possessions, where I was talking about second and one, uh, Derrick Henry, or sorry, uh, they throw one over the middle here to Demetrius Harris. He drops it. He goes out to concussion protocol. They check him in the tent. Then they throw an incomplete pass on third and one. Mayfield rolls to his right. Jarvis Landry almost gets his feet in, but does not get his feet in. But, again, it's a risky throw where pressure is generated. Um, Titans get the ball back, move it a little bit, and uh, a sack, Morgan Burnett sack. Puts them in a third and 11, and they throw an incomplete pass. The Browns get it back again, right? 431 on the clock. They they, they get uh, you know they get the first play is a you know the disqualification. Greg Robinson 15 yard penalty. It's second and 23. Uh, Jarvis Landry gets 10 yard completion. Incomplete short middle to Njoku on third and 13. Another drop. Browns punt it again. It's back to Tennessee. This point Tennessee, uh, you know Miles Garrett gets one of his two sacks, puts it to third and 18. They don't get anything out of it. Two-minute warning. So Tennessee punts from their own 27-yard line, and this is where you know, guys who can boom the football can just change the course of a game, and Brick Hearn does that here. 70-yard punt that puts Cleveland at the three. Now, this is one of my five plays, and this is one of the things that I've discussed ad nauseum. The Browns come out, you know, 11 personnel, under center. There, there's under two minutes left. There's 147 on the clock. They decide to run play action, which that's – in my opinion, a little bit silly. If you plan on throwing the football, do not make your quarterback turn his back to the defense and try to throw, and especially from his end zone, where is a really high probability of something bad happening in that situation, which is A, you give up a safety, which is what we end up seeing eventually, or B, you give up a strip sack fumble, or C, you get a holding call in the end zone for a say. It's just, it's such an unnecessary risk in that situation to 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 put your quarterback and really your entire offense in that situation. It, it's probably wise there at, you know, it's it's 10-6 still at this time to just run the football and try to take as much time as you can and maybe punt it away, trust your defense. Um, but the big issue for me was they run the first play and there's a late false start call. Um, they get Hubbard for a false start, one of his several penalties on the day. So they get him on a false start call, but the Browns run enough of the play that you can see that it was play action. You could see the three-man route off the play action. Okay, that's fine. 
not going to really lose many yards. You're already backed up on the two. You're going to take you back to the one or whatever. Um, then they just all they do is flip the formation and run the same scheme. Tennessee had just seen it. They know play action's coming. The defensive ends aren't playing at all for play. Or, or, they're not playing the run game whatsoever. Maybe run a draw there among many other running schemes because the DNs are quick upfield or even a screen. Just really strange decision to sit back off play action on a long developing three man route concept. And Cameron Wake just blows past Chris Hubbard and, and it's a sack safety. And it's like, really? You're going you're gonna to run play action twice? In, in, in a predictable under two minute situation and it's like no all of a sudden it's 12 six and you're you're punting it back to Tennessee and yeah Tennessee doesn't end up doing anything with it three um, you know three straight incomplete passes and they punt the Browns get it back 57 seconds left on their own third it's just it was just a really weird situation and, 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 and decision from Freddie Kitchens that I still don't understand and it's one of the the, the more confusing decisions among a couple that I thought that happened on that day. But it's 12-6. You go into halftime, really crummy call there on the the, the push-off offensive pass interference on Beckham on the left sideline because that they, they at least have a chance to go get some points before half. Not that it would have been a touchdown. Hell, Cyber could have missed the field goal. But um, it's just weird. Like, if you watch it again, Malcolm Butler's grabbing, you know, Beckham. They're, it's, it's just like he's pushing him off from holding him. I don't know. Just really ticky-tacky. Like, I'm not here to blame the officials. I think that the officials, their job is hard, and I, and I think that, like, the Browns played as an undisciplined brand of football as I've ever seen them play. But at the same time, there's just some really weird calls in that game that felt really preseason-ish, just super tightly called game. And a team has 18 penalties in a game. It's tough to it's tough to make sense of it. I mean, I, I guess like sure, it, it's an anomaly. The Browns haven't had that many penalties in a game since the 50s. Whatever. I'm not here to blame the officials. The Browns clearly beat themselves. But it's like, man, maybe 10 penalties is too many. Like is eight, nine, 10 penalty? I don't know. It, it's it's neither here nor there. So coming back out, Tennessee gets the ball first out of halftime. And, um, you know, first play is another another deep ball. The Browns coming out. They're down 12-6. A touchdown puts you back out in front. Uh, and, they, and they give up another deep ball. They run uh, – Browns were in single high most of the game, loading the box, trying to make sure that they stopped the run that they thought Tennessee was going to be continually running the football. And Tennessee really balanced that stuff really well. I thought that they – I, I kind of put it as Tennessee played a beautiful version of conservative football. They used a ton of tight ends. Some situations, I would like to look at their personnel grouping numbers from this game because I think that they were in uh, 12 and 13 a significant amount of time in this game. That's how you give help to your tackles. You run screens. You run tight end specific things over the middle of the field off of play action. There were times where Tennessee was using a, a wide receiver and a bunch set to chip Beckham, or sorry, Beckham, to, to, to chip Miles Garrett and um, and slow down Garrett, slow down Vernon off the edge, and it was just cra- they were just crafty. They knew the Browns were going to be aggressive. They knew they were going to be geared up to, on both sides of the football, show themselves as the dominant force. And you know Tennessee was pretty conservative on both sides. They didn't extend themselves and blitz like crazy on the defensive side of the football. And on offense, they just sort of methodically took chances in the right situation. This play, 51-yard play, the ball was on the in the air for 11 yards. 
They they get all three linebackers at the second level sucking up. I should say two linebackers in the strong safety sucking up on play action, and they throw a simple slant. All A.J. Brown has to do is win inside against Terrence Mitchell. He does. That's in one of the five plays on the OBR, and he wins inside, catches the slant, and just – you know, beats beats White or sorry, beats uh, Terrence Mitchell across the field, breaks that tackle, gets a block from the opposite side receiver, and all of a sudden he's running down the sideline, turns it into 51 yard gain, a 40 yards after catch play for AJ Brown, who's not a blazer by any stretch. It's just, you know, it's just it's frustrating. It's extremely, extremely frustrating. Now after that, they buckle down. They get a uh, you know Larry Ogunjobi gets a sack, and they. They, they, they bump Tennessee back to the 38. They, they only give up really one yard, and then Cairo Santos makes a 53-yard field goal, which is just amazing. But nonetheless, you hold them. It's, it's just it's 15-6. You're, you're still far from out of this game with a lot of time left. Browns come back out. Two big plays to start. Uh, a, a nice little play action in between coverage. Uh, we're we're uh, to Mayfield to Odell Beckham, who goes down and gets it. Nice catch. On a, on a not so greatly thrown ball, but he, he makes a play. Nick Chubb runs the next play, a zone, uh, inside zone run up the middle, 15 yards, and you're cooking, right? You're in great position. It's uh, they, they run another play runs for three yards, and then it's second and seven, and you get a hold, holding penalty on a run play, just a duo run play where uh, Chubb bounces it outside and Hubbard is called for holding. All of a sudden, second and seven turns into second and 17, short pass. Uh, you try to run on second and 17, then a short pass that gets you 11 yards back, and you're punting. Tennessee gets it back. They go three and out punt. Cleveland then gets it uh, at their own 39, and uh, false start penalty. Run for 12 yards. That's great. I think they did another outside zone concept there. And, um, you know, Cleveland gets it. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, that's right. They ran, they ran another play, and Demetrius Harris gets called on that outside zone for holding. It's first and 25, familiar situation. Run on first down for two yards, so it's second and 23. They complete a pass for seven yards uh, to Najoku on a quick little out route. And, um, you know, it's third and 16, which I I, I tweeted this out. The Browns were in, you know, uh, 13-plus yards to go situations eight times and um, 18-plus yard situations to go four times. So, you can't win games that way. You, you can't win games with third and 60. Now, in this situation, Mayfield escapes pressure and slides out and finds Landry for 23 yards, but they, that's the big reason. Look at penalties, which push the Browns into ridiculously long down-and-distance situations, and then the fourth quarter anemic turnover offense that, that happened. And, and you're looking defensively, too, you're, the, the chunk plays, which we'll, we'll talk about those chunk plays here in a second, but... Uh, after that 23-yard throw to Landry, they run a, a nice little duo for seven yards to Nick Chubb. Duo means just duo combo blocks at the line of scrimmage. Very popular NFL concept. And then Mayfield uh, hit probably one of his better throws of the day. Deep ball to Landry, right sideline, back shoulder, and then a nice little quick slant for touchdown. And I tweeted this out just a little bit ago, too. To end the third quarter, Mayfield was 22 of 29. Right? He's, he's 22 of 29. 264 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he had a couple balls that I thought got away from him, were interceptable there in the first three quarters, but 22 of 29, 264 and a touchdown is a fantastic first three quarters. He was playing well, again, against, you know, they bring in Justin McCray to play right tackle and have to kick over Chris Hubbard to left tackle, and it's crisis mode in the offensive line, yet Mayfield put up those numbers. So 
he played well through three quarters, but as you know, as you know, it's 15-13. Tennessee gets it back, and uh, upon getting it back, it's a 75. It's just, it's just a simple. All they did, and, and another one I broke down. If you want to see what it looks like, they just ran uh, play action outside zones, just a stretch scheme outside zone to the left. Mariota peels back on a bootleg. It looks like a bootleg. The entire Browns defensive line chases him on the bootleg. And then he turns real quick, flips the hips, and dumps it over to Derrick Henry. And the Browns are going every which direction all over the field. And, uh, you know, Christian Kirksey can't make the play. It looked like holding. It could be called. It could not be called. It kind of tackled him uh, with that arm wrapped around his neck. But I, that calls a 50-50 call. And it, sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. And um, didn't go the Browns' way. And it, it, I, I thought the thing that bothered me the most, and I posted the picture on on that article, is that nobody – came anywhere near running down Derrick Henry. And they had four guys deep downfield. I just didn't see a ton of hustle. Like Joe Schober took a poor angle. Morgan Burnett took a poor angle. And then some defensive backs on the backside that I, I didn't think were sprinting uh, to, to get in pursuit angles. And all of a sudden, Derrick Henry goes untouched down the left sideline, reminiscent of Kareem Hunt's touchdown for Kansas City last year on a screenplay. Just... just uh, unfathomable to cut it to 15-13 feel back in that game and then the first first offensive play 75 yards to the house on a screen play to uh, to a, a, a running back, not a receiver by nature, Derrick Henry, so that was deflating and I feel like at that point you felt like the game was pushing toward out of reach and the Browns had to be perfect down the stretch so Browns get it back and a couple Nick Chubb runs for a first down uh, Mayfield hits Ratley to end the quarter then the fourth quarter comes and it all uh, it all unravels, and it all unravels quickly. Which is the uh, third play from scrimmage. Mayfield throws on on second and fourteen again after we have another holding call. You know Demetrius Harris on I think his second or third holding call makes it first and twenty, a six yard run puts it to second and fourteen. Feeling like. It's 22-13, got to drive the ball downfield. He tries to throw a glance route to Beckham. I don't know. I posted the picture. It looks like he was trying to maybe throw. He could have just been wildly inaccurate. He's kind of moving within the pocket to his left, and he leaves the ball out to the right, and it's thrown a little bit late and intercepted. Yeah, it's quickly intercepted. Tennessee turns a couple different plays. A Mario to scramble up the left sideline along with a defensive holding, puts the ball down to the 11-yard line. And then they do a uh, Tennessee runs a nice little sneaky tight end delay seam um, where where Delaney Walker blocks for a two count and then releases sort of at a 45. It was a beautiful scheme. It's a touchdown. It, it was zero resistance. It felt like all of a sudden the game's 29-13, really out of reach. Uh, the Browns run a couple plays. Uh, Nick Chubb runs one, and then and then Mayfield on third and four. Just I don't know what the hell he's looking at. I mean he's he's. Logan Ryan is just hanging on Jarvis Landry's speed out, and he just throws it, and he throws it in a place where I, I, the, the window of opportunity on that throw is so, so, so small. I mean, he's probably just his clock speeding up in his head, trying to get rid of it, just get a first down, but he's going to be disgusted when he sees that on film. That's a, that's a bad throw, and then, you know, it's picked off. That ball's returned um, to the to the Cleveland 34, and then, just a few plays later, Tennessee again runs uh, you know, a couple run plays. Derrick Henry, I, I haven't even gone back and watched these yet. I just know they ran about 25 yards worth of runs on three plays. And then Delaney Walker catches a seven-yard touchdown on the right flat where 
the Browns are just a step by. It, it, it was disappointing. As, as disappointed as I was in the fourth quarter offensive effort was as disappointed as I was in the fourth quarter defensive effort because they just uh, they just they just packed it in. And you know Mayfield throws another interception late on on a little square, and that I'm not sure if he thought I'm not sure if he thought Landry was sitting down or what, um, just kind of hitching it up there. But it looked like. It looked like a levels play, which is a 10-yard in from number one, the tight end, and a five-yard in from number two. And uh, didn't, didn't see that. Um, didn't see that at all. So, look, Mayfield goes three of nine in the fourth quarter, and he goes for 20, 25 yards, um, 21 yards, I think it was, three, three interceptions and, and two sacks. I don't know how much stock to put into that fourth quarter. It was really, it was really straight. The whole... The whole game was strange. We're going to kind of wrap this up. I, I'm, I, this is a ramble pod. I hope you guys don't hate me for it. But um, before we wrap up, I, I do want to talk to you guys about my bookie, which is um, the best time of year. It's the best time of year for gambling. Um, and, I, and I think my bookie, I, I genuinely believe in my bookie. I used them today. It's great stuff. Uh, it's, it's easy. It's fast. They pay you when you win. It's quick. Um, you know, if you're betting or if you're, you know, you find betting to be an important part of your life, which I do, I think it's fun having some money on games. My bookie's a spot to go. Um, you can bet in game. You can bet parlays. You know, you can do lines as you typically can do anywhere else. But the good thing about my bookie is that, you know, they're fast, they're convenient, the interface is smooth. And when you join my bookie, all you got to use is the promo code BLUEWIRE to activate that offer, which is what I did when they jumped on and, and believed in what we do here at Blue Wire, they'll, they'll, they'll double your offer, um, you know, using that promo code. Um, they'll double your first deposit, I should say. So just go to Blue, or uh, go to go to, go to to my bookie, man. If you want to put some money on games, it's a fun thing you can do. It and spices up the, if you're not a fantasy football guy, it spices up the Sunday watching. And, um, you know, like I said, do parlays, put small amounts down. You can win a lot of money. Uh, it's fantastically stuff. It's fun. I enjoy it. So go to, go to, Go to my bookie. That's uh, enter the co- promo code Blue Wire. They'll double your first deposit, which is always uh, which is always awesome. So you play, you win, you get paid. That's my bookie. Do it. Go bet some money. Go win some money. Because when the Browns lose, it's always fun to win some money to sort of take that sting away. So big takeaways for me personally. I just don't know what I watched offensively. It did not feel like a um, like a Freddie Kitchens scheme concept game plan maybe he's finding there's a ton of different theories you can throw out here maybe he's finding a balance with um, what he wants to do and Todd Monken want to do and maybe that involves a ton over 90 percent 11 personnel and uh, lighter run boxes whatever I'm not I'm not sure there there were the rumblings of you know Greg Williams being relatively involved in the in the second half of the year offensive game plans and helping out with those things and giving ultimatums and and Ken Zampezi working with the quarterbacks coach all that stuff Bob Wiley said some of which alluded to it wasn't as much uh, a Freddie as we think it was there could be I don't know I need to see more one game sample size and that's like the thing here this was Freddie's first game I'm not going to like make these sweeping conclusions about who he is or where this team's going. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. It's too soon. I, I do hope that people do keep the same energy though. I'll say this. Keep the same energy toward Freddie as you did towards Hugh when things were you know, when things were going sideways. I think you gotta be fair in these situations and like 
this is one game among what you hope is a three, four-year sample size for Freddie. It's early. It's very early. But when, when things go sideways from a player discipline perspective and when things go you know, uh, poorly for the offense, which he's largely in charge of, uh, you need to hold those guys accountable. And I think you have to hold Freddie accountable here. And um, But I think offensively it just comes down to the, the penalties. Like, you're not going to have that many penalties every week. God, I hope not. Or it's it's very rare to have that many penalties, obviously, by evidence of when the last time the Browns had that many penalties in a game. And, like, you're not going to lose your left tackle like Greg Robinson gets booted. It, was an, it felt like an anomaly game in the fourth quarter was way closer than what it ends up being a 43-13 final, like, the Browns sort of packed it. The thing that makes me the most nervous is how the Browns handled that fourth quarter and sort of packing it in and giving up. That was something that I noticed. I noticed the give up at times last year before they made the fire of uh, of Hugh and Todd Haley, and that part makes me nervous. I did not like the quit. I thought defensively they played pretty strongly, just like they did offensively. They played pretty strongly for like you know for the defense until that 75-yard screen that they gave up they were playing really good football, but after that, and the Mayfield interception and the and the drives that happened after a couple of those Mayfield interceptions were just like, we don't care, which is a problem. I think that those are things that they're going to have to to look at film and just, it's about accountability and 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 people get mad at coaches, but it's like, that's player accountability too. Miles Garrett throwing a punch, Greg Robinson throwing a kick, continuously holding, those things are players issues. They need to take responsibility for those issues as just as much as the coaches do to take it, you know, responsibility for their issues. So they this team's talked about, you know, how they're going to react when they get punched in the mouth and you know how they're going to react uh, when things get tough and and now a lot of people will just write them off as the same old Browns and and we're just going to have to uh we're going to have to see they're going to be on the national stage Monday and they're going to be in New York. New York's coming off a rough loss to to Buffalo. We'll preview New York later this week. It's a winnable game. It's a primetime game where they're out in front of the you know the national media. You but you, but you, this is a it's a good Jets defense too. So the, the Browns offense is going to have to figure out what they want to do, what they want to become, what their idea is of who they are. They need to figure out an identity. I told you guys that this would be a work in progress because this you know the off season. Um, I shouldn't say the off season. The preseason is a. Uh, let's get out of it healthy scenario so you don't get a ton of work. It might be a rocky start here. A lot of new faces and uh, some new personalities, both in the coaching staff and in the in the in the player personnel side of things. So we'll see where it goes. I'm not going to make sweeping conclusions about all of this one way or the other, but you just have what you have, and it was it was disappointing um, as 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 a whole. It was very disappointing. Some bright spots. I thought Eric Cush played fine. I thought for the most part, outside of Hubbard and McCray, who was slung into the game out of nowhere, I thought the offensive line was playing fine. I thought that they they could do something. It's just you know these ill-timed penalties and 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 just some really weird things. It's a weird football game, and I, I don't know how to describe it other than it just being weird sometimes. Defensively, they were just. I thought they were zealous. I thought they were just. At times, Tennessee took advantage of them being too hyped up and too aggressive and the defensive line really wanting to get home and really wanting to get all these sacks that people thought they would get. Well, the, the Titans balanced that out and used, like I said, used that cautious game plan to sort of use the aggression of Cleveland against them 
and uh, and did it perfectly and, and picked their spots. And um, I'll just say what I said in, on Twitter earlier, which is the team that was the most physical and and the team that was mentally stronger won that football game. And uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that the Browns weren't in it. it doesn't mean that the Browns are now a terrible team. There's none of that. Like I think the Browns were in that football game for a while, and if some things don't go haywire with penalties, that fourth quarter, you throw that out. It's a it's a close game. It's a close game, and either team could win that game at that point. And and Tennessee just capitalized. And and uh, but I'm interested, man. The the biggest thing I'm interested in has is is how the Browns bounce back. Browns bounce back here. Uh, you know against the against the Jets. It's going to be fascinating because they can't go 0 2 when the Rams come into town. They got they got to look at this as um, a must-win, which I thought it was. I, I think openers are weird. Openers are wonky. I didn't view the opener as a must-win just because you never really know what's going to happen in an opener, and especially with the way the Browns are in these openers traditionally, um, you know, you just never know. But I do think this one's a must-win. They they have more talent than New York. They're the better team than New York, so they they, they need to find a way to win on Monday Night Football. So it's going to be fascinating. We'll preview the Jets later this week. Thanks for listening. This is Rambling. Hope you guys enjoy it. If you need me to have a guest, tell me to have a guest because it's better. I just want to get all my thoughts out, uh, sort of review it all, talk to you guys about the schemes, talk to you about it, guys about my observations from the whole thing. So, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining me. You know I appreciate anybody who listens. I, I, you you record these and you think, man, I got five people. If you listen, thank you. I appreciate that. If you support my work, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't have the access I used to. But hopefully someday again I will. And uh, I'm just going to keep doing what I do from afar, trying to teach uh, as much as I can or give you insight about where these things are going for the Browns. We'll have a quarterback grade card tomorrow. We'll have multiple film rooms from my end up up throughout the week, and we'll preview the Jets later this week too. But try to enjoy your week, man. I know it sucks. It was a bummer after all the anticipation. I was bummed for most of the day. But life goes on. Sun comes up tomorrow in just a few short hours here on the East Coast where I'm at. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining me guys. And and hopefully we'll do uh, a couple more positive podcasts here in the next, the next week or so as we preview the jets and then we'll break down that jets Monday night game too. So thanks for joining me. Give those iTunes reviews, all that stuff. Check out more blue wire podcasts. They do fantastic stuff across the league. Uh, I'll continue to plug those blue wire pods as much as I can. And uh, I appreciate you guys. We'll come back next week. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.